Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're here this morning in person, both online. Thank you for joining us here this morning at New Hope. And I hope that you are challenged and that you trust that God is going to do a work in your heart as we meet together with him. I want to ask you a question. What's important to you? What's important to you? I was reading an article the other day of the five most important things to grab when there's a fire in your house. And people were chiming in and giving their list of the five most important things to grab if there was a fire in your home. And it's interesting how things shift because the number one thing people were going to grab was their wallet and their purse now. Their wallet and their purse, right? Some of you are thinking, hey, I grabbed my wallet and my purse. Well, secondly is now your cell phone and your laptop. Got to get my cell phone, got to get my laptop, right? The third thing, someone wrote in and said, I would get my kids, my dog, and my husband in that order. In that order, right? You know, so some of you wives are like, oh yeah, I could agree with that. You know, some of you spouses out there. Uh, someone chimed in and said, well, hey, I'd grab the fire extinguisher, right? Makes sense. There's a fire. Put it out, right? Well, depending on the size, right? And then number five, important papers. I'd grab important papers. I loved one comment that a gal wrote in. I said, I'd grab my car keys so I could drive my car closer to the fire. You know, because so obviously she was looking for a new vehicle. But when it comes to our own personal lives, when our faith is under fire, when our faith is under fire, what is the most important thing we need to grab hold on? Because in reality, today our faith is on fire. It's under fire, right? with COVID, with should we wear a mask, no mask, with a political year, with economy, with racial tension. Our faith is on fire. And what is it that we need to hold on to of first importance? Well, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in the new part of the Bible, the New Testament, reminds us of what we need to hold on to, reminds us of what is of first importance. Let me read to you the first four verses that we're going to cover this morning in this new series called The Gospel. What is it? Paul says, Now, brothers and sisters... I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And so Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. He's trying to encourage them during difficult times 
where their faith is on fire under the gun. And he reminds them of what is of first importance. What is of first importance of their faith. And it's the gospel that Jesus died, was buried, was raised on the third day. Now, the term gospel isn't a term that we like use on a regular daily basis, right? I mean, you just don't hear it out in public that setting. You typically are going to hear it in a comment like, well, you know, we know that the Vikings are going to beat the Packers today. It's like the gospel truth, meaning it's this unswerving truth about something. It's the gospel. Now, within the Greek, the gospel literally means it's good news. And obviously, it'd be good news for Vikings fans if they could ever beat the Packers, right? It'd be good news. It may happen today. Who knows? But in the Greek, it literally means good news. And so, Paul is trying to remind the believers in Corinth, in the Corinth church, this good news, this gospel, and how they need to hold on to it when their faith is under fire. And it's of first importance of their faith. And he goes and he talks about right away in 1 Corinthians 15 why it's good news. Why is it good news? Because Christ died for our sins. We read in 1 Peter 2.24, it says, He bore our sins in his body on the tree. Think about that phrase. Get the visual of that phrase. Because there was bad news. And the bad news is because of our sin, our wrongdoing, we are separated from God in relationship with him. Because God is holy, because we are not holy, perfect, he cannot allow anything imperfect in his presence. And because God is a God of love, he wanted to make right the relationship with him. But because God is also a God of justice, he needed to make payment for our sin because he recognized that we could do nothing on our own to make our relationship right with him. That is why it says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of our sin is death, meaning eternal separation from God, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. He has provided us the opportunity to be back in a relationship with him because he took care of our sin. He paid for it through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son on the cross. And so Paul is saying, listen, this is of first importance, this good news that you hold on to this, that Christ died for your sins. And then he goes on and he says, he did it according to scriptures. And there's sort of this exclamation point, this, this proving that, hey, this is truth. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies. Paul Humber 
is a writer, researcher, who researched the 400 prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament and all those prophecies that have been fulfilled. And if you know anything about prophecy, it is what people will say will happen in the future, and then they're fulfilled. And it's amazing that out of all 400, you would think, man, if just a handful would take place and come to truth, it would be amazing. But for 400, it's nothing less than a miracle. I mean, if I would tell you today, hey, three weeks from now, these five things would happen specifically in your life. And three weeks from now, those five things would happen specifically in your life. Would you pay attention? Would you pay attention to what I'd have to say? Yeah. And so Paul is saying, listen, Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures, so pay attention. This is of first importance, the gospel, this good news in your life. And so when your faith is under fire, hold on to this good news. Make sure you grab hold of it. It's so important. And so Paul talks about the good news that Jesus lived among us. He died, he was buried, but he rose again on the third day. And because of that, we have life. We have a relationship with our Heavenly Father if we acknowledge Jesus as Savior and Lord. And we recognize that this life we live right now is not the end all, but that we have eternal life forever in relationship with our God. If you go back and you read in Psalms, and that Psalm 39 says, this life is but a breath. There it is, compared to eternity. And so Paul's trying to bring the Corinthian church back to, man, this is of first importance. The good news of the gospel, that Christ died for our sins. And then in the beginning of 1 Corinthians 15, he then talks about other important aspects of the foundational importance of our faith. He says to the Corinthians, this gospel is something that you received. Meaning, hey, you didn't invent it. You didn't acquire it. It was brought to you. It was made available to you. In Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it says, For it is by faith that we are saved by grace. We don't deserve it, but we get it. It's not of ourselves, nothing that we have done. It's not by our works that we have received this good news so that no one can boast at all. It has been given to us by God. And isn't that the greatest gift? Isn't the greatest gift one that is given to you? That you didn't have to work towards? That you didn't have to put out effort towards? But it's fully, freely a gift. And Paul is reminding the church of Corinth, you received this gift. 
And so he goes on from there and since you've received it, make sure that you continue to stand on it. It's something that they stood on. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ provided them this secure place in times of turmoil in their lives when their faith was on fire. We read in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You know, the rains come down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it, but everyone who hears it because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. And Paul is, is reiterating here and, and encouraging the Corinthian church and saying, listen, this good news that you received, continue to stand on it. Why? Because it is a secure place for you. It is a secure place for you. Stand on it. And then he goes on in verse 2, in 1 Corinthians 15, and he says, by it, you are being saved. And when he talked about being saved, he's not talking about past tense. Hey, you were saved at one time. I received Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord personally when I was 18, right before I became a senior in high school. I was saved. I made a decision to follow Jesus at that time. But what Paul is saying here is that it's not a past tense thing, it's a present tense thing. Is being saved is a continual, everyday occurrence in our lives. There's this incredible daily, powerful work that the gospel, Jesus dying, being buried, and rising again, that, it, that is happening in our lives to transform us to become more like Jesus, to be available to us in our day-to-day -day life stuff circumstances when our faith is under fire. And so he's saying, listen, you received this good news. Stand on this good news. Why? Because it's continually active in your life. It's changing you. It's like Wendy said, it's taking out the old, it's bringing in the new. You know, it's somewhat similar to an individual that goes in for a chemo treatment on Monday. That chemo treatment isn't past tense when they leave the office. It's present tense because that chemo treatment goes with them as continually working in them to get the bad cells out of their life and to bring health and life to them. It's this continual work. Philippians 1.6 says this, God who began a good work and you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. It's continual. It's this presence on a day-to-day -day basis. And that is good news. It's not something that just took place in the past. So whether you've known Jesus five days, five years, or 50 years, it's this continual work and presence in our life. And so Paul says, man, when your faith is under fire, this is of first importance. 
the gospel that Jesus died, was buried, was raised on the third day according to the scripture. You received it. Stand on it. Why? Because it's this continual work of saving you daily, upholding you daily for your life stuff. This last Friday, we recognized the 19th anniversary of 9-11. And I want to share with you a life story of a new hoper, Donnie Walton, who was impacted uh, specifically by 9-11 as a stewardess and talks about the gospel, how, you know, the presence of God in her life allowed her to live and walk through 9-11. And so let's watch this clip. as soon as I turned on the TV, I saw the second plane hit the South Tower and I fell to my knees. Hi, I'm Donnie Walton and I was a flight attendant for American Airlines for 30 years, presently retired. I became involved with the Fellowship of Christian Airline Personnel. I became personally involved with God in my daily devotions through devotions, prayer, and reading the Bible. And this was a calling that I was truly blessed in. On 9-11, I was based in Washington, D.C., and I lost friends and crew members on flight 77 that hit the Pentagon. There's a verse from Isaiah 41.10 It says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's the strength that I needed to walk through the days of funerals and the days thereafter to be able to walk back on an airplane and do my job. The crew members that I, that were friends of mine that I lost on Flight 77, uh, the first officer was a very dear friend of mine. And Dave Charlebaugh was the type of friend that would do anything for you. In fact, he wasn't even supposed to be the first officer on that flight that day. Well, from my experience through 9-11 and the, what we're experiencing today, uh, we are seeing the face of evil. And God is there with us, and He is our hope and he will show us the way forward and that evil will not prevail, that evil will be overcome and that he will carry us forward and give us the strength and light will shine out of darkness.
as Paul challenges the believers in the Corinth church. And he says, hey, listen, this is of first importance. The gospel that Jesus died, was buried, rose again on the third day for you. And he says, you receive this. Stand on it. It's continually saving you on a daily basis. But then he finishes in verse 2 and he says, to hold on to it firmly. To hold on to it firmly. You know, in the days when our faith is under fire, in the days where we are uncertain, in the days where we don't know what the future looks like, to hold on to the good news, to the gospel, to the power of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and what it provides for us on a daily basis. And as you heard from Donnie Walton in her scenario, situation, where she would fly that flight, but now had lost friends, colleagues, because she held firmly to the gospel, to the good news, it helped her to walk through those difficult days and years. And even now, and so I want to remind you of that's what we that it's of first importance to us. It's our anchor. It's what we hold on to, stay with. In Hebrews ten twenty three, Paul says, "Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful." And what is that hope? It's the gospel. It's the power of Jesus' death, burial but his resurrection, and that in that, it is at work continually in our life. So when our faith is under fire, which I believe it is today, we need to hold on and hold firmly to the good news, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you for the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the salvation that is continually at work in us from the day we accepted it to this day to the day that you will come again. And I pray that as Christ followers, we would hold firmly to it and that during these days, we would recognize that you are sustaining us by it. And so bring us that encouragement and that hope this day in your holy name. Amen.